podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. When we made our McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out and you were streaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Break out the party hat emoji, because a six-piece spicy chicken McNuggets is just $2.50. And if that's not enough, try a spicy McCrispy or a spicy deluxe McCrispy. And if that's not enough, there's always the sauce. Price and participation may vary. The new patch is here and people are adapting. There's a new crossing meta and we're discussing how it can be used to beat the drop back tactic and how you can use the techniques to beat it at its own game. Plus, winter one to watch and upgrades are coming and could we shortly be seeing one of the biggest market crashes of FIFA 19? I'm your host, Ben, and you're listening to the Foot Weekly podcast on Foothead and all your usual podcast platforms. Just quickly to say, though, Jamie, the foot economist, joins us. He's having some technical difficulties, so his mic isn't maybe quite as good as you'd usually expect. But just bear with, it's really not that bad. Hello and welcome to week 19 of the Foot Weekly podcast. And with me is one of the original hosts of the Foot Weekly podcast, of course, foot economist. Okay, Jamie, how are you doing? I'm good, Ben. It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah, you've you've had a little bit of a break just generally from the foot scene, but you're you're mm. back at it. Yeah, I took a, like sort of a two week break uh, over winter break, uh, just to take mm, care of break. stuff and winter break. Yeah, yeah, as, as that's important, you know, for those international tournaments in the summer, you don't want to be. <laughs> once you get around to footies, you're going to be Hit full stride. for it, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we've also got Steve, aka the foot coach, aka Costco Chris Sutton. How are you doing, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Back again. No rest for the wicked. No, no, not at all. And um, we obviously spoke to Nepenthes last week, and he highlighted how potentially the meta was going to shift. Uh, we're going to see a patch coming quite soon. Is going to see the end of finesse shots, basically, or or the meta revolving around finesse shots. Jamie, you were saying you had a top PC player in your stream chatting about uh, what the patch was like, and I've spoken to a few PC players, um, and it seems, am I right in saying that? Finesse shots aren't much of an option anymore. The patch has kind of done what it says it should have done, if that makes sense. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, from his experience, and he's, you know, again, top 100 PC player. He's played uh, at that point uh, when I had a discussion with him, he played about 30, 40 games. And he said mm-hmm. that uh, it's just not a viable option anymore to base, to base your gameplay style around. I mean, even green time finesse shots, uh, he noticed a significantly less percentage of them were going in. And one of the biggest things they've noticed was not only are, um, you know, if you look at the pitch notes, you'll see that the percentage of shots that go on target or are, you know, going on target in a way that the goalkeeper wouldn't be able to save is significantly decreased. Uh, not only that, but mm-hmm. also the, he said that the power of even the ones that look like they're positioned in a spot that the goalkeeper is not going to be able to reach, the power of the shots has, you know, gone down significantly, especially he said for the yellow time finesse, they've gone way down. So obviously that would be something that would uh, affect how uh, likely the goalkeeper is to actually get over and save that. Mm, and it makes it quite clear in the patch notes that there was kind of an error within the way finesse shots worked, which basically means that yellow finesse shots acted almost as good as green ones. And uh, if you compare that to other shots, it's quite clear that 
the yellow finesse shots were going in, whereas a yellow standard laces shot was never going to go in sort of thing. So that was their aim to fix that. And it seems that they have, I suppose what we were chatting to Nepenthes about was the emerging meta of crossing being really important. And while when we spoke to him, we sort of discussed it speculatively, uh, Steve, you've done a lot of experimenting around this. I've used it a lot as well. And I've certainly seen people using it over the course of my games over the past week and uh, you put out a video actually didn't you Steve on Twitter kind of how to master the mechanics of this crossing uh, and and scoring headers basically do you want to just give people a rundown of of how that's done yeah sure Um, it is a pretty much a prescribed method it's all about getting the cross into the back post so you need to be powering up across um, to make sure that it's got enough power to reach the back post and it doesn't end up with your striker so you're powering up the cross, and while, while the cross is coming over, you're immediately on the shoot button. So you're powering up your header straight away as soon as the cross starts travelling in there. And the effect of that is that it causes your, normally the cam who will be at the back post, um, it causes him to, to leap higher than he ordinarily would if you were to press the shoot but, button a little bit later in the sequence. So you power up the shot or the header as soon as the cross comes over. And then, because if you if you powered up a header like that normally, it would fly over the bar and out of the stadium. So the way that you're going to counter that and make sure that the, the header goes on target is that when the ball, just as it's about to, to hit your player's head, that's when you get on R1 and L1, or obviously on your, on your Xbox, it would be RB and LB. And that, that triggers the downward header. And you end up getting an immense amount of power on these headers, and normally with the downward header that go on target and it's very very difficult for the keeper to get a hand on it and what we should say about this is the key thing you're doing is you're powering up your header to the max yep and then you're pressing the two um bumper buttons which is it's almost key to the process it's almost like a timed timed shot then um your l1 and r1 is the equivalent of the second button press if you like so you're holding down your shoot and then as your sort of second button press, it's L1 and R1 as opposed to shoot as it would be in the, the normal timed shot. Best way I can think to describe it. And I think the key thing around this, which is a bit of a take home in terms of just how to play the game generally, is that certainly in FIFA 19, if you want to jump high to win a ball, you want to press and hold the B button or the circle button if you're on PlayStation to clear that ball. And that's because the more you power up the header in defense, for example, the higher your player is going to jump to head the ball away. You see a lot of people like spamming B, which just basically does the opposite. You're doing loads of short jumps, essentially. So when you're defending headers and when you're scoring headers, the more you power up that shoot button or clear button, you're going to get a bigger jump. And the thing about that is that previously, obviously, without the downward header and without this mechanic in the game, your header, as you were saying, would fly over the bar. But because you can then press the downward header button, you're turning that really high-powered clearance, essentially, into a shot um, when you're in an attacking situation. And I suppose that's the key thing to note. Uh, and, it, and I know you're saying about, obviously, putting it to the back post or whatever, but this works in pretty much any heading situation. So although that is that is effective, it, basically, whenever you're heading it, this is what you want to do. The, the, the issue with the back post, though, is that... Um I found most success with it in the four-two-three-one because you quite often get a mismatch where you can, if you play somebody who's quite burly, so somebody like your Bale or Ibrahimovic, um, if you play them at left cam or right cam, 
quite often they'll get mismatched against a fullback um, on the back post, and it's just that mm. much easier for them to, to get above the, the defender to get their head on the ball. I, I think the meta in terms of personnel, we are going to shift away from, from quick fullbacks to bigger, more athletic fullbacks. Uh, because they are going to have to contest these headers because people will look to abuse that mechanic. Um, and it's, what, what you've said there as well, Ben, is, is, is critical in terms of how to defend against these, this type of, of attack. When you're defending and you see the cross coming in, you need to be on, on, the, on the shoot button as early as you can and you need to be doing exactly what your opponent will be doing in powering up the header because you've got to contest that header and you've got to get your player as high as you possibly can against the attacker. I totally agree. I mean, so a couple things. One, I've always had sort of a bad habit of pressing A to or mm. pass to clear the ball, yes. which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible habit because I would always want to start counterattacks from that. But obviously that doesn't have them jump nearly as high. Yep. So that's something I'm definitely going to have to change. Uh, another thing, too, is uh, you said this, uh, Steve, the shift away from sort of these smaller, more diminutive left back and right backs. I think you're spot on with that. You've already sort of seen it starting to happen on the market where guys like Marcelo, team of year Marcelo has actually dropped in price despite the fact that he was literally used in every single pro players team this weekend in Bucharest. All right. Uh, mm-hmm. His price has actually come down slightly in favor of, and you've seen people shifting to guys like uh, Alexandro's second inform. You've also seen the prices of someone like Munier, his inform, who's, you know, six foot three and has got pretty good jumping ability. His price has gone up significantly. And, you know, guys like, um, you know, so it's even the team of your Ramos, I saw a lot of guys actually over this uh, tournament this weekend, six out of the 16 teams that I tracked actually used team of your Ramos as their right back just because he's phenomenal yeah. at, at jumping and heading. And it was just sort of interesting to see a lot of these guys shifting away and, and sort of, you know, even before the patch has been made, trying to counter it. I think people are trying to get ahead of the curve. I mean, personally speaking, that's certainly what I've done. Um, speaking of Marcelo. I moved Marcelo out and replaced him with UCL Live Felipe Lewis for, for exactly that reason. He's big, he can jump, he's athletic, he's strong. Um, and I think that we're also going to see a move away from the more agile, nimble attackers. So again, a move that I've made this weekend is I've, I've got Neymar out of the team and I've moved Gareth Bale actually to play as my, my cab because I've done the prime Crespo, SBC and what have you. So I'm certainly rejigging my team to, to reflect the shifting meta and I anticipate that perhaps we'll see that on a, on a pretty wide scale over the coming weeks. I think it's been kind of interesting so over the past week since the patch was announced and actually I'd say this has been a kind of trend in sort of semi-competitive play over the past few weeks is there has been a shift away from finesse shots probably exacerbated by the patch which meant people were aware that they were possibly going to be patched out but also because of the fact that people have got quite good with goalkeeper movement, so finesse shots basically weren't going in as regularly, so people were looking for other options. And I've already seen some people attempting to kind of adopt this as their approach to scoring most of their goals. The one thing that I would say, though, is that, and I think this is something that I'm sure Steve would agree with, I think I, I saw you mentioning it on Twitter, is that it's really important this doesn't become your plan, uh, not your plan A, maybe it can be your plan A, but there's got to be other options. You can't constantly do this all game. Yes, you'll probably get a reward, especially if you're going to play Crespo at wide cam like you do, Steve. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you're, my personal take, um, the way that I've adopted this is I've got Ibra, I play with Ibra up front, I've got not particularly large wingers, but you know if they're uncontested, they'll or if they're not being contested 
very effectively they'll still win headers but with the idea that the option is there for the cross to Ibrahimovic but not necessarily it being the primary way of scoring because I think people are going to get better and better at defending it. My, my general recommendation around that, Ben, is I found I've tried it with the four four two and found it not quite so effective with the two striker formations. The, the biggest success I've had in, in trialing all of this is with the four two three one narrow still. But what I've done is I've been playing uh, flashback Ebra at left cam, and now uh, prime icon Crespo at right cam, with Bale as the central cam and um, want to watch Promes as a striker. The striker, actually, in, in this sort of setup, is pretty much redundant, which is kind of crazy. The two most influential attackers in that kind of setup are the cams, you know, for the reason that I, I sort of alluded to earlier, in that they get isolated against the fullbacks. But what I've found is that, sort of returning to your point about it being the, the primary focus in your attacks... If you do do that, if you do just look to get the ball wide and get it crossed to the back post, yeah, you, you will get the odd reward. But ultimately, you're going to become a much, much worse FIFA player. Because speaking from experience, when I was first testing this, that's what I did. I, I was just getting into those positions and spamming the crosses. And it came to playing a, a, a normal game of, of rivals the next day. And I found myself really labouring to think of how to actually build up a proper attack again because, you know, sort of muscle memory had been altered and I was just constantly repeating this this mechanic of crossing and the downward header and your game will suffer. But that said, um, what I think is the difference between this and the, the old meta of the, of the finesse shot is that when you are building up, quite often you'll notice that the opportunities are there if you want to take them, you know, you don't necessarily have to funnel it out wide. I think it, it calls for slightly more patient build-up play. And I do think that it's it's possible to identify opportunities in the box. Um, and, I, yeah, you can't emphasise what you've said strongly enough. I, I agree entirely. It's there to be used, but if you abuse it, eventually you'll end up abusing yourself. Yeah. You, your gameplay will suffer. Like any playstyle, I think it's just something to, if you can show that you're a threat from it, then it just makes you a more dynamic player, right? Because then if you show that every time you go to do a cross, that guy's freaking out, he's trying to get a, a back out to you as quickly as he can. If then you work in a El Corcutta and go flying by him down the, down the line, then you're wide open for a square ball to the middle. Uh, and, you know, that's you know, a relatively effective tactic as long as you can pull out the the back who would be you know, sort of defending that first man um and also another thing too as we're sort of talking about the mechanic and best ways to execute these crosses i was speaking with hashtag ryan the other day and he mentioned that one of the things that he was implementing a lot was an l tornado cross as well as a mm. drag back cross he mentioned that he thought when yeah. you did an l tornado cross or a drag back cross and, and you know by drag back i mean like the holding rb or r1 and then using the left stick to pull yourself back and do that drag back uh, animation. He said that he thought when you did crossword after those two executions of animations that it caused, for some reason, the attacker on your team to get sort of like a running start, whereas the defenders would be sort of stood still. And he said that obviously that you know, gave it the you know, attacker as an advantage as he was doing like a running jump instead of a standing jump. 
Mm. I, I found that the drag back is certainly effective. I think there may be some confusion in the community about the uh, the difference between the El Tornado and the Balassi flick. Mm. I think what we're talking about there is the, the Balassi flick, isn't it? Where any five-star skiller can just sort of... You're basically doing the Berber spin, but holding down L1 or LB and just sort of flicking the ball in the air as you do the turn. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. There's there's kind of two different skills which right. are quite similar. Uh, El Tornado and uh, the Blastic Flick both put the ball up in the air in kind of a similar way. So you can use either to do it. And I actually think essentially what it's doing is it's putting a bit more lob because it's a volleyed cross, um, a bit more lob and a bit more spin on the ball. Hmm. So I think it's allowing the player to, the, the attacking player to kind of anticipate it a bit more maybe. It's also really hard to block yeah. compared to a regular right. cross, which I think is one of the key reasons why it's so effective. I mean, it's another great reason for playing Ebra out wide cam actually, because he does have the five <laughs> yeah, star skills and he can do the, the Balassi flick into the cross. Mm. Yeah, there's a, so there's another fun thing. So I actually uh, have to hold my hands up here. Um, I love doing the Blassi flick. So I was like, finally a way to use the Blassi flick in an effective way. That is so irresponsible. I, 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 yeah, yeah. So I, I went straight into the uh, like arena, um, stuck, I think, Corona, I think it was. I don't know, it was just a random five-star skiller onto LA Galaxy because you can do that in edit squads. Um, gave him really high crossing. and was just like practicing El Tornado or um, Blassi flick uh, crosses um, into Ebra and yeah it's pretty funny like it, it does work quite well but it's weird because it, it doesn't look unnatural but it's just bizarre do you know it, it just it shouldn't really be that effective um, what, what I also noticed is when you connect with the cross you can actually hold what was traditionally the skill modifier so the LT button mm. and in, instead of doing a standard cross they'll do like a back heeled cross really? so you essentially get this crazy thing <laughs> where I had this one where I think I managed to record it, actually, so I'll probably try and post it on Twitter. So does that look unnatural? I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that looks really... <laughs> Supernatural. I mean, again, it's like a normal... It's like something that can happen. It just is so unlikely. So what I had happening was you do your Blassi flick and then the player would connect with the ball to make the cross and put the cross in using the back, their back heel, basically. Um, and then that, like, flies in. Uh, Ibrahimovic is just there with, like, a massive power header into the bottom corner. It's like the kind of thing that you probably would have like thought was amazing on FIFA street. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. It was quite bizarre, but I feel like there is going to be a bit of that going on for sure. <laughs> but one of the reasons why I actually went and tested this is because I'd had a guy score, I think two Balassi flick crosses uh, in one game that I played. So wow. um, you definitely need to watch out for this. And I have to say like having played weekend league this weekend, there was a lot of, what's my new meta going to be after the finesse shot like a lot of people weren't taking finesse shots and a lot of people were like looking to do other things and i think crossing is certainly going to be one of them although i have to say using the power header thing which a lot of people won't know about because spamming b has or, or circle has always been the, the kind of accepted way of clearing the ball right. i think just by using that power jump you're going to find that you're going to find it easier to defend crosses right, yeah. um, than you have done before. But yeah, I think, you know, as Steve's saying, there is an advantage, I think, to the attacker in these situations. Right. So I think you there almost will be think, some kind of concern going forward. You almost think that they should add, and you know, I don't know if this is going to cause more outrage in the community because they seem to be sort of this scapegoat of timed finishes at the moment. But uh, mm. you'd almost think that they would want to add timed clearances to sort of have a counter to that to make it a little bit less RNG. But Or, for me, I, I, this was controversial, but I put out like a, a poll asking people what their thoughts were on time finishing this year. 
And overwhelmingly, people said that timed finishing was a negative. And in my view, it's not a negative. They just executed time finesse right. mechanics wrong, right? Yep. I, I don't. I think it's a positive mechanic. Like it, it, it's adding something. It's increasing the skill gap. But they did the finesse aspect wrong, and that's meant people don't like it. But yeah. really, I think they should add timed through balls and timed crosses yeah. because those things should also be yeah. especially good if you manage to time them. And um, I mean, part of it too, it would be one thing if it took them, I don't know, let's say a month and a half to figure out that time fin- like time finesse shots were too good. But it took them like four or five months. To, figure, like, yeah. to sort of make an adjustment to that, and I mean, they sort of did it in like smaller increments, and I, it was almost like they tried to do it as sort of like a, okay, we changed it, like you know, don't complain about it anymore. Mm. But it was almost like they didn't really do anything to it. It was sort of like a placebo, and then you know, now they've like properly, like, com- like really, really, you know, nerfed this into yeah, the ground. I'm kind of confused. I know the patch, so patch scheduling is like way behind when they actually do the fix, you know. Right because it has to come out on consoles and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming they try not to have PC release like way before. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, everything at EA goes through some long legal process as well, which a lot of people don't know about. So my understanding is that they wanted this to come much earlier than it did. Sure. Uh, then maybe that they, maybe that's why. But I know what you mean. This is an error. Like the, the patch is because of an error. And you wonder why they didn't identify that quicker because they yep. patched finesse shots, but didn't notice that there was an error in the code i assume um again this goes back to something we were discussing last week about how ea uh, are kind of hamstrung by the fact they're releasing a new game every year and their right. gameplay has has to be so like excellent if you know um, i've always been sort of curious so marketable every year right yeah exactly and, I, and i've always sort of been curious to know what percentage of developers in terms of like their manpower is working on the current build of fifa fifa 19 versus you know, and doing updates for that versus obviously working on FIFA 20 and maybe even FIFA's beyond that, you know, working on FIFA's mm. for the next gen of consoles or you know, what, what is their sort of manpower resource deployment percentage or breakdown rather? So you're talking about a kind of manpower to FIFA 20 ratio. Then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting question, but I suppose one thing you've got to say is that they're still patching the game at this point, which I don't think they've done in the past, at least not gameplay-wise. Mm. Yeah, so. and that's a first. So that's a positive, although you feel like it is getting later and later in the day. But on the plus side, I, I think it's quite exciting. Like it make uh, you know, there's that feeling before the start of a new game, like this could be mm. my year. This could, this could yeah. be the mechanics. <laughs> this is my that, patch. <laughs> that mean, I go pro. Yeah. <laughs> this is the like six months of FIFA in which I break onto the pro seed. And uh, uh. <laughs> I'm hoping the finesse is still there. I mean, it's, it's, I hope they haven't taken it out completely. Cause I noticed, um, I watched the Chelsea and Sheffield Wednesday game in the cup. And I think William scored from a first. Oh yeah, what a goal that was! So well, yeah, and it's, it's still very much a thing in football. So hopefully, it's still in there. Um, no, no, no it, yeah, it is apparently still still in there. I think according good, to good. the PC players, that it is there. But it's just you're going to need to get a really good timed finesse from the right angle to get it in. So I think I think that is positive because you're right. You need long shots, otherwise people just pack out their defence. And um, and actually, this brings me on to another point which I've noticed across this weekend and I've done myself pretty much all weekend because it felt really effective is to use the drop back um, defensive tactic which essentially means you pull your defense back to your box although I wasn't using it quite as negatively as some people were using it and I saw um, Andy AJ3 complaining about what he described as one depth warriors which I thought was a, Hmm. a good way of putting it essentially people who are putting their team depth on one and then they're also um having dropped back so you end up with a really banked up quite narrow as well chunk of defenders 
and and this is exactly i guess why this crossing meta in quote marks is going to be important because if people drop back because of the danger of finesse shots raining in from outside the box is no longer then i guess this is the way to break down the pack defense well yeah I, I mean, I guess we're talking about the, the good old-fashioned phrase of just throwing it in the mixer, aren't we? Um, yeah, yeah. Whenever the ball's in the area, when there are bodies in there, um, especially if you've got the tall guys up there, if, if you're lobbing the crosses in, then, you know, you've always got a chance of getting ahead on it and scoring a goal. Yeah, no, I think I think going forward, even if it's not as meta as we're making out, which I, I think it kind of is, um, then it will still be a really important way of breaking down a packed defence. But Steve, is there anything else that you feel gameplay-wise people should be looking out for uh, as we we enter this new phase? Yeah, there is actually. I think that goalkeepers... um, I'm not going to say that goalkeepers are suddenly going to become important as if they've never been important, (laughs) but goalkeepers are going to come to the fore in terms of when when players are winning these headers and getting the downward headers on target, your goalkeeper is your last hope. And I've seen some pretty tremendous saves from from goalkeepers that have high stats in the reactions category um, where flashback Ebra has got his head to the ball and an arm's just been flung out from nowhere and it's been tipped over the bar Um, Mm. so I think it's going to be really important to have goalkeepers who have great reflexes and great reactions don't underrate the the reaction stat on a goalkeeping card one thing that i was wondering about is if people are going to be able to effectively counter the crossing mechanic with goalkeeper movement like if, if you could sort of concede that okay i'm probably gonna you know he's probably gonna get a cross off here as, as anyone have you seen anyone try or at least uh or even effectively use goalkeeper movement to have your goalkeeper come out and catch a cross or do you think that's probably a bit of a stretch it's not something that I've seen um, personally, but it's something that I've discussed with people. It's it's a little bit early, really, Jamie. I think to uh, to be looking for antidotes to it because until it becomes a sort of True. widespread illness, I suppose, if we want to use that <laughs> analogy, um, until it becomes more widespread and we come up against it more often, it's it's difficult to uh, to figure out what the counter will be. I also True. anticipate that perhaps perhaps the comes for crosses trait might be important on goalkeepers too. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a. I think we're we're at the stage now where we're really just opening Pandora's box, and we've just right. got to see what what falls out of it over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and I, I think one thing is when you bring out a keeper, you know, you then open up the option. Maybe people will start going slightly more near post. Counters, counters to the counters to the counters of yeah. Yeah, yeah. In some ways, there's been a lot of negativity around goalkeeper movement as a thing, but I have to say, I think in some way, in in many ways, it makes it. A lot more interesting the game overall you know you get people um who are good at goalkeeper movement who honestly like frustrate the hell out of me when i play against them but mm. you really get that extra satisfaction when you score the goal and you have to outthink your opponent in that one-on-one situation so i think in some ways i can see the complaints around it and it's going to be interesting going forward as we move away from the finesse shot and um, focus to see how goalkeepers are used now because right. their primary use was stopping finesse shots and right. now people are going to start probably trying to use them more in one-on-ones or or to stop long shots and things like that the, the thing for me that i've always sort of thought about the keepers too is that you know i know i know for the pros that it definitely makes it more frustrating for them when they work a 1v1 opportunity they feel that in sort of previous fifas that the muscle memory has been okay i deserve a goal here i've broken down defense i have a 1v1 i should get a goal and mm. you know maybe that you know, that's sort of a discussion for another day. But I've always sort of found as a, as a viewer, as a spectator, that when they got into a 1v1 situation, or especially last year when they worked 
themselves into an opportunity to take a driven, a low driven shot to the far post. It was almost like, oh, well, it's a foregone conclusion. He's absolutely going to score this goal and almost made it a little bit less fun to watch. Whereas now yeah, you get yeah. into a one V one situation and it's like, okay, now it's down to a goalkeeper movement, right? Like the him running down, you know, if he gets like a counter attack off of a corner kick and he's got a one v one with the keeper, it's not a foregone conclusion that he's just going to ball roll to the right and, you know, low driven to the far post. And that's going to go in every time. Now he's got to actually outsmart the, outsmart the keeper movement. There's going to be sort of this mind game there. And it almost makes it a little bit more entertaining. albeit maybe a little bit more frustrating to play. It's much more cat and mouse now. Um, I mm. think that we've seen a lot more of the players using the fake shot to try and initiate, to try and sort of prompt the opponent into committing one way or, or the other with the keeper. I think that a lot of pros are feeling now that uh, really that they're trying to draw the keeper. They feel like the, the keeper is dictating to them um, which side they're going to shoot, so they're waiting for the keeper movement and they're trying to trigger the keeper movement. Um, it really reminds me of pro clubs, actually. Uh, I know Foot Economist and Foot Weekly FC had our big face-off <laughs> a few years ago. Um, Prefer not to speak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is fantastic mode, um, great fun, and one of the great things about it, I always thought, was that like mental battle between the striker and the uh, goalkeeper when you had a goalkeeper in goal. You know who's going to get the advantage, and and fake shots and things like that were really important. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you look in real football, I mean, one on ones are not easy things to score. Actually, um, especially if you've run like a, a fair distance and you're through on goal, right? There often is that kind of dummy or the, you know, giving the keeper the eyes kind of thing, mm. which is really important to scoring those. So I suppose as long as it's not unbelievably difficult to score those one-on-ones once people are getting better at move, keeper movement, um, I think the criticism could be that goalkeepers aren't punished for shifting backwards and forwards, if you know what I mean. Right. So that, I don't know, maybe they need to look at that. But also we should bear in mind, this is the first year that goalkeeper movement's been in the game and we know how long it takes, or in this sense anyway, and we know how long it's taken in the past for things like this to actually become sure. balanced so I guess we're going to have to see where it heads um, certainly interesting to see how things develop over the next week if anyone's got any interesting tactics they've tried out then do get in touch at footweeklypod or footweekly at mail.com really enjoy getting all the emails uh, messages that we get uh, even if they don't make it onto the podcast particular mention to the guy who mentioned growing up with Zlatan and saying that uh, now he's scoring with him on FIFA but it still feels quite weird knowing that he grew up playing football with him particularly big highlight of the uh, of the footweekly inbox so send them in and we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Fanta want to watch and FFS At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Marshall 89 HD here, and you're listening to the Foot Weekly Podcast. Hello, and welcome back. Jamie, your first Foot Weekly break in a little while. How did that uh, go down? Uh, it went fantastically. I've been eating some Chipotle, so uh, I'm oh, recharged, nice. ready to go. And so for those who don't know, Chipotle is what, like a fast food outlet? So I think that the coin term in the United States is fast casual. It's supposed to be sort of like this healthy alternative to fast food, where you go mm. in, it's like all you know, farm-to-table ingredients and... Basically, I have a bowl of rice with chicken and avocados and kale. That's basically what I'm eating. Right, right. I mean, is this the new meta? Is that what you're trying to say? It's, well, I'll tell you what, it's been the meta for a while, but certainly it is. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
certainly is very popular. And Steve, what's the, what's the new chicken meta? Well, it's, it's nice to be asked, Ben. I've noticed that most recently you, you haven't even bothered me bothered asking me what I'm doing during the uh, the break. I, I just thought we were at that stage of our relationship where it was all getting taken for granted, really. Uh, um, oh, well, you know, I like to throw in a surprise here and there. This is good, yeah. Um, there is no chicken meta. They're just sort of trotting along, if, if that's what chickens do, trotting. They don't say a lot. They don't really communicate their emotions as well as, as, as perhaps they could do. Um, I can only assume that all's well. Good. Well, that's a relief. Actually, talking of fast food, we can move on to some Fanta content. My chickens um, are not fast food. And it's fast casual, but it's not fast food. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, moving on with, with that seamless link. With that seamless link to, uh, <laughs> to Fanta. What are Fanta, Jamie? <laughs> uh, Fanta are melee match cards for non-Champions uh, League uh, melee match you know, performances. And you know, I think we're going to see quite a few more of them, or quite a few more batches of them, released throughout the month of February as we get to like the League Cups and the FA Cup and whatnot. Especially during a period where we're not really due for any marquee promotions that release batches of cards onto the game. Uh, you know, like Lunar New Year, for example, doesn't release a batch of cards to the game. Upgrades, winter upgrades, don't release brand new cards onto the game in the sense that they're you know special types of cards, just upgraded cards, different. Uh, you know, shiftings and ratings. So I think we're going to, you know, there's a pretty good chance that we're going to be seeing, you know, sort of periodic releases of these uh, on, on Friday evenings when they got, when they sort of typically get released. Um, so, you know, something to look forward to. It's nice because generally they have really, really low supply just because people don't really get that excited for them. If we're being honest, because of that, they're really nice to trade with as traders. So I, I always look forward to this period of the year when they when they drop a bunch of Fanta Man of the Match cards, whatever you want to call them, because they're really easy to trade with. And we saw some quite decent ones to start. We've got a Promez, which is a striker, which is a nice position change, and obviously led to his one to watch randomly jumping in price quite significantly, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was quite unexpected, I guess, because people um, weren't expecting Man of the Match cards. And Ramos as well looks quite nice. Not a massive upgrade. I don't think it's going to be worth buying. Just again, they're quite rare. There's low supply of those cards, so mm. they're a little bit overpriced. We've also potentially, obviously, going to see in the coming week uh, one to watch, actually, which I think you spotted. It's the new background, isn't it, for FIFA on console? Yeah. Uh, so they've, yeah, as you said, they've added the sort of console art, if you will, to the background of FIFA. If you have it selected on your home screen, but you haven't clicked into it yet, if you're on Xbox, I, I actually don't know if it's on PS4, but you'll see that they've got that sort of that neon blue and purple kind of background to it. So they mm-hmm. definitely are hinting that one to watch is coming relatively soon. You would think that with the transfer window ending for winter transfers, that it's you know, on Thursday, that they, would, yeah, they could potentially turn it around very, very quickly if they wanted to and get it released on Friday for their... Uh, the day that they typically drop big sort of promotions is on Friday. So yeah, they could do that. I think that might be a bit of a tight turnaround for the team. But, uh, you know, I, I would imagine if they had all hands on deck, they could figure it out. Uh, actually, one thing before we dive too deep into one to watch, I did want to mention about the Fanta cards is that Jahan Bash, I think that's kind of how you pronounce it. Uh, the right mid 82 rated in the Premier League. Uh, it actually looks like a pretty good discard investment. These guys discard for 15k, which is something that I don't think a lot of people know. Uh, but he's currently going at 15.75. So if you want to pick that up, just you know, kind of chuck it in the club if you got some coins laying around. Could potentially come in handy later if you're talking about a player of the month investment or really anything. If you want to have like a special card, uh, 82 rated right mid is pretty valuable, um, especially if you look at the prices of pretty much every 81 rated plus Premier League card is going for 21 or like 20k plus if they are a special card. Um, other than that, if you want to jump back into uh, one to watch, 
So it's going to be kind of interesting because there hasn't been a whole lot of like big time headliner transfers. Uh, we are getting rumors mm. this morning of Perisic going to Arsenal is looking more or less confirmed. Um, so that could be a pretty decent move. But other than that, it looks like Iguain, uh, Naldo, the center back, Seth Fabregas, Morata, Viviano, Balotelli, Clemson Martins, Boateng to, uh, to Barca, Ibora, Klein. I mean, there's not too many headliners there. So mm. really the worry is that, you know, are EA going to be able to, you know, get a team of 23 players that are going to, that are going to get people excited enough to make this one of their marquee promos just on its own and you'd think that maybe they would want to do something to sort of change it up so that it could be one of the marquee promos again um you know maybe mm. whether that so how be, do you think they might do that i was wondering maybe bring back the other one to watch into packs yeah potentially um i mean obviously what they did last year is they had the one to watches from the summer edition obviously look what they was released in the beginning you know we've had you know ronaldo floopy anderson mares guys like that in the first team in the summer this summer they could drop those, mm. or they did drop those back into SBCs last year, and I would imagine at a minimum they would do that again. Which is, you know, why you'll see you've seen the the prices of the discard one to watches they've been flying up over the past week or so. Uh, that was an investment mm. if you did it early that you could have done on in mass and and be making an absolute killing right now. And to be fair, there's probably still some margin for some of the higher rated, uh, you know, one to watch cards because obviously it's an 83 overall squad that was required last year. So guys like Fred, who's 82 rated, are going to be more valuable than. Dumbele, who's 75 rated, and they've all—they're all going for like the exact same price right now. So there's an inefficiency there. Someone's wrong, um, and I think it's sort of the upper end is, is going to be more valuable, like someone like a Fred. Anyway, it's, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do in terms of are they going to drop the summer ones back into packs? Because if they did, the one thing that you know, you'd sort of think that EA tend to sort of had this policy without really explicitly stating it of trying to protect the value of special cards that people already own. And you can sort of most clearly see that when it comes to winter upgrades or rating refresh, as they're actually called. They, you know, sort of respect the mm-hmm. value of previous informs by upgrading them along with it. Whereas if it's just like a regular gold card, they don't necessarily upgrade the one that's currently in the game. I remember the days when uh, you'd suddenly come to upgrades and you had, I don't know, an 87 rated inform nanny from Manchester United and suddenly they'd release an 87 rated regular card and right. your 87 <laughs> rated inform wouldn't move and it wouldn't go up so you'd just be stuck with this nice looking card but it's exactly the same <laughs> yeah. yeah so it is positive you're right and they really I think do try and protect essentially the casual in some way those players who aren't really that familiar with the market and how things might work and so they don't sort of get caught out and lose like a right. ton of value just could, off one particular player. You could make the argument though, sort of on the flip side of things, is if they were going to do that, then wouldn't they have it so that the player of the month requirements for someone like Royce, who's getting multiple player of the months, <laughs> would the mm. previous player of the month would be a requirement? That's a whole other can of worms. But Yeah, but I think that the argument there would be, well, that really prohibits people who didn't do the original. You know what I mean? Right. If because you were to require like a special card. Yeah. Yeah. They would then have to buy a special card of Royce probably. And that would redi- go up ridiculously. So sure. it would probably almost not be worth it. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of dynamic. I think EA have to consider between that. They did put informs back into packs, didn't they? With the best of team of the week they did, right? Yes, they did. Yep, absolutely. I actually forgot about that. That's a decent point. And I mean, just generally too, if you're holding on to one to watch cards, especially cards that are expensive because of their lack of supply, you know, guys like Ronaldo, mm-hmm. you're probably going to want to get out of them before it comes time for this promotion to drop. I think, you know, if you're listening to this on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know when this is actually going to drop, but 
I think there's probably still going to be time to get out of them, especially I, I think you're going to see some panic selling when we get a notification of this coming on the console screen when you're loading into foot. I think you're going to see some mm. significant panic selling. So that can sort of be your barometer of whether or not it's worth it to even you know get out of those cards is if you see the if, if that console screen of warning sort of like the masses of casual players that this is coming you know, when you're loading up to foot at that point you're probably going to see that the price of these guys has really fallen but before mm. that if you can sort of catch it you know catch the pod and catch this advice before that i think there's probably going to be a window for you to sell off without losing too many coins on the ea tax and then a window for you to buy back later where you're actually going to be sort of relatively speaking saving yourself some money because we should say that we're saying they'll crash if the previous one to watch also enters packs but they are going to crash anyway because the SBC is likely to come out, which means right. that there's going to be more supply regardless, right? Right, exactly. You know, these prices tend to rebound, don't they? So longer sure. term, you're probably going to be all right. Yep. But the big thing that is going to affect the market and why I'm really pleased we have you on at the moment is because we have potentially one of, well, what caused one of the biggest crashes to the market back in FIFA 17 coming up on the horizon, right? Absolutely, yeah. Lunar New Year. So Lunar New Year this year is... Ben actually alerted me, alerted me to this actually before the pod. For some reason, everyone in the FIFA community thinks that Lunar New Year, which is like the Chinese New Year, um, at least in the trading community, is coming on the 9th. <laughs> I don't know how that misconception got started, but uh, maybe it was that we thought that the Friday of the week of Lunar New Year was the 9th, but it's actually the Saturday is the 9th. Uh, Lunar New Year, Chinese Lunar New Year this year is on February 5th, and then the Friday is the 8th. So I think there's a decent chance that we see some sort of promotion either happening on the, the 5th, which would be kind of tight because that would kind of step on the toes of one to watch. And I think it'd be more likely that it would be coming on the 8th. If you haven't been around FIFA for a couple of years or even last year, Lunar Near, what they do is two-for-one packs, which, and you can only do that two-for-one pack deal with coins, right? So it is one of the most effective and one of the biggest coin sucks in the entire year of <laughs> the cycle. Maybe you can make the argument mm-hmm. for some of those 81 plus, uh, 82 plus packs and maybe the Team of the Week packs being a, a decent coin suck as well. But people go out of their way and just go crazy on these packs, these two for one packs, because they see, oh wow, half price packs. I, I can open up 200k packs for the price of one. Like, slam dunk. I'm going to do this until my coin, my, my account's rinsed. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, if you're listening to this, I would highly recommend that you don't do that. Because we know that you know, with doing calculations for these these pack returns, that for a hundred k pack, you're you're getting back on average somewhere in the range, and this is considering like average pack luck, you're getting back somewhere in the range of fifteen thousand to twenty thousand coins. So even if you know, <laughs> obviously if you do this like multiple times, you know at some point you're you're maybe due for a decent pull. But I actually sort of factored in when that with that average resale value. That you know the upper mm. end of that's like 19k. That you're getting like a decent pull, like an 84 plus or something like that. So it's not worth it. I mean, it's, so you're more likely to end up with fewer coins than you started than um, if you were to go ahead and open you're, those. Yeah, really unlikely. If you do those packs, for economists and I will come for you um, <laughs> because they're just not worth it at all. Right. Uh, so obviously, just be aware that there's a massive coin sink, and also that I asked, didn't I? You know, what is it in it for EA? Kind of thing. Why would they put out a promotion like this? But I think you answered it quite well. So one, it gets people <laughs> addicted to the packs, right? And you know, seeing that animation and the dopamine hit that you get when you get a board or you get a walkout or whatever it is, and then two, well, it's a coin suck, right? And this is part of the reason why prices go down during this period of the year is. People can't afford to spend as much coins as they normally would be able to on these cars. Just like, you know, the income effects, right? Their demand has effectively gone down. 
um, or their ability to put out demand has effectively gone down. So um, what that does is when people have these rinsed accounts and are less wealthy heading into the periods of the game where they're going to be dropping footies and team of the season and foot birthday, where people get really excited about this content in these cards, well, EA have effectively cleaned out people's accounts. <laughs> and uh, especially the people that are addicted to packs, they've cleaned out those people's accounts who <laughs> in sort of maybe intentionally or not are now the people that are more likely or most likely to turn around and put FIFA points into the game so that they can restock their accounts. <laughs> so it's it's very clever. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, what is on the horizon, but one of the most, what should we say, uh, attention peaking uh, promos but foot birthday mm. shortly afterwards which is full of cards which are very desirable to people I mean you're essentially looking at a squad of flashback cards which right. I guess get people's emotions and nostalgia yeah. going then yep. it's something that you should definitely watch out for and try and try and hold back on those packs if you can yeah you really know how to throw themselves a birthday party remember that mm. talking of yes. packs when I when I did the the Crespo SBC in all the packs that I opened with the Crespo SBC, my best pull was farming. That's Oof. tough. It's <laughs> too far, man. This is why. Some, somebody earlier, I, I got a tweet the other day saying that I was the miserable one of the Foot Weekly pod. Now you understand why. Well, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to argue with that. But Steve, do you know what might make you slightly more happy? Winter upgrades, which, as we've got Jamie, I thought I'd ask you a bit about. I think it's a little wear away, but it's still good to get your thoughts. Yeah, so you still got time. Uh, what they did last year is they dropped them around February 23rd, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. So it's sort of late February. So mm. yeah, as I said, you've got time. But if you did want to go start scouting, making your buy list, uh, there you could you could definitely start doing that because I do think there's going to be a pretty good window to buy come Lunar New Year. Uh, usually what you'll see during Lunar New Year is that certain cards will get super cheap, especially some of the gold cards because obviously they're in packs. And then to purchase the gold cards when they're really low, people will sell informs that they have in their clubs from previous weeks or previous special cards that they have in their clubs so they can go buy the cheaper gold cards. And what that does, obviously, is it pushes down the prices mm. of the previous week informs. And if you wanted to buy some of the previous week informs that are due for upgrades then obviously that's how you can make some money there in terms of your ROI and, and maximizing that. Uh, but in terms of if you want to start mm. your buy list now, you could go to a website called sofifa.com, S-O-FIFA. And what you can do on there is they track the upgrades that are made to players in head-to-head mode. And what EA typically do is that they used to use that as a template for how they're going to upgrade the players in Ultimate Team. And just to be clear, the way that they do mm. it is they drop a brand new version of an upgraded card into the game. So the existing gold cards will stay the same rating. And then there'll be another separate gold card that drops into packs from then on out. That is obviously going to have like updated ratings, maybe updated, uh, upgraded stat boosts in terms of their weak foot and skill moves. And that's actually a really big thing, too, is if you're looking for upgrades to cards, someone like, you know, last year, a really popular one. Who was the cam? Was it De Bruyne, maybe, that was getting five-star weak foot back? Yeah, he got five star week foot, and so his team of the year went from four to five star week foot, which is right. kind of which was yeah, which was a big deal last yeah, year. Yeah, and I was going to say Rashford is a big one this year because he's got five star skills mm-hmm. on head to head, so he could go up to five star skills, which would make him pretty right. fun to use. Also, Mendy, the future stars card, he's got five star week foot mm-hmm. on head to head, so that'd be quite interesting. I don't know, I'm quite interested in that card. I think he could sort of grow in yeah, price absolutely. over time, especially since some of the pros are saying that that Mendy card is becoming very popular in some of their normal accounts, where they don't have unlocked accounts at the tournaments. Mm. And, and, you know, Marcelo obviously has dropped right. as well. So um, that's quite interesting. So anyway, 
we were talking about upgrades maybe on their way. I would say don't worry too much if you have a player who might get upgraded because the prices actually in the end tend to level out kind of similar. If there are, you know, if it's not a big upgrade, if you're talking about, say, hypothetically, I don't think he's due one, but say Neymar went from 92 to 93, it's really not going to make a huge amount of difference right. because there's no supply of the right. 92. They tend to end up really similar in price. So I wouldn't, it's not something you need to panic sell. You're rare golds for, right? right? Exactly. Um, and, and sort of on the, on, on the flip side of that too, is if you want to pick up a, uh, a card that say like an 86 rated card is due for an upgrade to go to an 87 or an 83 rated card is due to go to an 84. Picking up those cards before they go out of packs forever is actually a pretty good thing to do because if, they, if they're required for a league SPC or if they are going to be sort of pinched when another team of the league SPC comes out, they are usually cards that fly up in price very, very quickly because their supply has just been taken off the market. And there's no there's no potential mm, for a mm. resupply, so that's another way you can invest in this kind of stuff. Too. I mean, just generally too, like you know, this is something that will be obvious to people that have been around the game for more than a year. But if you want to buy informs that are due for an upgrade, if a gold card gets a significant enough upgrade so that the rating of the gold card is higher than the rating of the inform card, and or certain stats of the base card are now higher than the stats of the inform card they might not necessarily upgrade the overall but they'll upgrade the certain stats and then just adding to more complications here if it's a lower rated card say like a 75 rated card and it's got an inform that's an 81 rated and they got like a, a quote-unquote and, and this is the exact wording of ea a significant enough boost right which is basically ea's free pass to do whatever the hell they want if it's a significant enough boost, say like a plus two plus three then they'll also deem that significant enough to boost the 81 even though the rating of that base card is not higher than the inform and that's just because obviously lower rated guard lower rated cards get bigger boost to their informs when they're getting an inform than higher rated cards when you when you get beyond 85 obviously you only get a plus one when you get an inform so those kinds of ratings are going to be different in terms of like highlights for the potential upgrades in terms of not weak foot and skill moves as ben's already said You've got someone like Royce who's due for either a plus two or a plus three, which could make his player of the month really lethal at like a 92, 93 rated card. You could see Van Dyke. Van Dyke is due for a pretty uh, hefty acceleration boost, which would make his team of your cards even more overpowered. And there's a couple other highlights in there, but uh, it's, it's an exciting period of the year, especially for traders. I think it's one of the most profitable times of the year for us perfect jamie that's really really good to inform everyone of that um, ahead of time and we're just gonna wrap up i think um very quickly with any reviews um anyone got any players that they've been using even if it's just for a brief shout out that they've Screen been variety enjoying? is the best steve? card in the game <laughs> <laughs> okay. still still the best card in the game and uh, steve no i just i did the crespo spc yesterday one goal from one game so far so probably a bit early to give a review at this point mm. but stay tuned maybe next week but, so yeah that'll be a, a good little tease there actually jamie we like to get you to do a little promo rating how did you find ffs i thought it was great i, I thought it was really exciting apart from you know aside from the initial um expectations of the community going sky high where they thought it was going to be a progressive mm. and that, which, which definitely wasn't your fault or anything right jamie i mean that was nothing <laughs> to do with anything that you, that you <laughs> i suppose i got people a little bit excited but i wasn't insinuating that i knew that that was going to happen no, 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 no. maybe it's um <laughs> you know. anyway the um expectations of the community were sky high but i think overall the promo is still uh, pretty fun. I like the fact that you know, obviously you can play with some of these players that uh, people are really excited about right now. I, I do sort of get the argument that it's maybe bastardized some of the 
ratings of the regular players if they get into sort of what they do with Madden, where they just you know pick a random player and say, okay, now he's incredibly boosted. And I, I think you risk sort of the integrity of the game. And I know this is sort of convoluted and kind of silly, but you know if you, if you start giving pl- like a huge boost to cards that you know don't quote unquote deserve it or earn it in real life, then I think you risk making it so that when you do drop future promotions, that if they aren't crazy high boosted stats, then it's just like, well, why did you even bother, right? So, it, it, it you know I think it was fun, but it also is kind of at risk of setting a dangerous precedent. Yeah, a race to the top, you could exactly. say. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I think Madden um, and other games like that are. I think I personally think worse off for it because they have to have these like super expensive, super high rated cards constantly, and that takes away yeah. from people wanting to hold the cards that they have in the game already. Jamie, I think I, I totally agree with that, and obviously we, there was loads of discussion on last week's podcast. If if people want to check that out, still relevant now, and um, a lot of juicy debate between the Panthers and uh, Steve and myself. So all that to look forward to if you haven't listened already, and just bring it right back to what I was mentioning before we talked about Foot Future Stars, Ed Emiletau, basically been using him. He's a, he's a centre-back and he's sort of physically strong enough. He's six foot one, high defensive, medium attacking, and he's got ridiculous physical stats, 91 jumping, 95 stamina, 86 strength and 91 aggression, and that's just unboosted. But what I've done is actually just whacked a shadow on him, which pretty much maxes out his pace, almost maxes out his defending, where, you know, you're all in the 90s. Uh, he's got 90 agility, 87 short passing, and he's very good on the ball. So stick him in midfield, and honestly, he just hoovers up most things. It's kind of like having a tall Kante. He's really, really good. The only downside is that two-star weak foot, but I think that the, I guess, selection of stats that he has are so unique. Like, he's, he's really, in terms of his physicality, a unique card and, and the way that he's so agile and strong and high stamina it's just really really excellent to, to have in that central midfield position and allows you to have a another midfielder who's maybe more box to box um, but also maybe not as dynamic or physical so he's, he's been really impressive for me and, and if anyone can do that position switch he's actually quite easy to get into a team as we discussed last week with Tellez who's a really good card as well and, and got good height for those back post headers so basically play all of your players out of position and you too can be a foot hipster like Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure foot economists can appreciate that one of the best ways to make your team better without it costing more is to switch position because people, the market doesn't really factor for yeah. that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you see guys playing guys like Mounier at a position all the time. You know, they play him in center defensive mid or mm. really any, any right back that's got good overall stats. They just stick him in center mid. Great. Well, I think we're actually drawing to a close to a Foot Weekly podcast. I wanted to just quickly give a mention to the end of Foot Swap at the moment. So we've had all 14 cards. It was actually quite an interesting one towards the end because Promez got this upgrade and he was one of the options. And um, we'll have to see what comes in the next month. We should say that we've been running this account, which is Foot Swap Alerts, which is basically just tweeting out the current Foot Swap card that's out. And then that's like one long thread and you can sort of turn notifications on all that kind of stuff and it makes it easier to track the foot swap cards which are pretty hard to track at times so you know if you've missed one etc or or just can keep up to date so um, do follow foot swap alerts it's, it will help you out a lot it's also great if you can send us the players as you get them so if you get a foot swap card send us a picture of the player and the requirements completed requirements as well and you'll get a shout out so it's a really handy tool and i'm sure foot economists will be tweeting it out shortly <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely so jamie Thank you very much for joining us again. It's a pleasure to have you back. Where can people catch your streams, which you do um, relatively frequently now? I do. Um, you can just find me on Twitch, something forward slash Foot Economist. I don't know, just 
put Fotokonomist into the search bar, hopefully it'll come up. <laughs> Just Google him. <laughs> um, and Steve, how can people find you? Is it at Chris Sutton on Twitter, I think? Yep, yeah, it's at Chris Sutton 73. No, no, it's not. That that will take you to Chris Sutton. Uh, if you want to find me, it's at the Foot Coach. And you will once this podcast is out. Done your first stream, so that's presumably gone excellently. Castro's given you hosts. I mean, it's uh, yeah, amazing stuff. I'd, or my Twitch streaming career could already be over by this point. Interesting. It remains to be seen. And if it's not over, where can people find that? <laughs> They can find me, um, the tag is the foot coach again. I would also add um, on Twitter, back to what we were talking about earlier about the crossing meta, my pinned tweet at the moment, um, this isn't just to drive traffic to my to my Twitter site, my pinned tweet is a video that I made, very short one minute video, just explaining really exactly how you uh, how you perform those far post crosses. Um, and I'm sure that Jamie will be tweeting that out himself <laughs> shortly. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and uh, if you want anything tweeted out by Foot Economist then <laughs> we'll start charging for it <laughs> so that brings us to a close thank you very much for joining us listeners and we look forward to having you again for some uh, low quality banter but high quality fanta <laughs> right, I'm going to start my recording <laughs> At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros immediately ended the podcast after hearing that then you should definitely subscribe you can do so via all your usual podcasting platforms from spotify itunes to google podcasts goodbye At Lowe's, we know you can get the job done faster if you don't have to stop and come into the store all the time. That's why we've updated our app with your business in mind. With the app, you can build quotes, easily reorder your supplies, track orders, and much more. So you can get everything you need right away, stay on the job, finish it, and get started on the next one. Download the app today. Because Lowe's knows time is money. Lowe's knows pros. Podcast Network.